good morning and welcome to Creekside. Why don't you go ahead and find your seat. Find your seat and pay attention up front. We're going to have a real quick announcement from Hetty and Linda. Where's Hetty and Linda? Where are you guys? Come on up here. Everybody give them a hand as they come on up here. Make them feel welcome. And give them your full and undivided attention because they will hunt you down. Good morning. We want to talk about Cleo. Maybe you've seen it in the bulletin and didn't know what it was. It's Christian Ladies Encouraging Others, and that's Cleo. We would like to let all of you women know that you matter to us. You matter to Creekside, you matter to us, and most importantly, you matter to God. And this is a group to encourage each other. Maybe you're going through hard times. Maybe you need some words of encouragement. Maybe you need to be reminded of God's love and and reminded of the things that he can actually do for you. And that's what this group is about. We meet on Saturdays, usually the last Saturday of the month. Sometimes it's the third Saturday of the month at 10 o'clock in the morning from 10 to 12. And we know that everyone has a busy schedule. So if you can't make it on Saturday mornings, we want you to know that you are still invited to be part of Cleo. We have a Facebook page. It's Cleo Creekside. So ask to join Cleo Creekside on the Facebook page. And in that, there's separate little groups you can ask to join. There's one for events. There's one for discussions where we want to talk about the Lord, um, where you can put words of encouragement, where you can put maybe a Bible verse or something you've heard that would encourage the other women of the church and remind them that God's in control. He cares about you. He knows what's going on in your life. And there's a prayer request. You can go into detail in this if you like, or you can request someone contact you. And maybe someone else in the group will contact you and pray with you, and you can share this with you, um, with them. Sometimes you may have a need in the middle of the night, and you're very afraid, you're very discouraged, you need some encouragement. Go on this Facebook prayer request area. Put in your need. You'd be surprised how many women are awake in the middle of the night. And uh, they might be able to reach out to you and give you some encouraging words right when you need it. Um, we also have an email, and that is creeksidecleo at gmail.com. And ask to join that, and you can get some announcements, too, of different things coming on. And we wanted to invite you on Saturday, uh, September 24th at 10 a.m., my good friend Barbara Goodson will be talking to us about prayer. She is a uh, Christian, aspiring Christian writer and speaker, and she's very good, and we hope that you will come and be encouraged. And now, a message from the elders. Thanks, Linda and Hetty. Small groups start a week from today. So if you have not had a chance, stop by the table out there, take a look at the different groups that we'll be meeting, and uh, sign up for one of those. We, you know, again, as I said last week, small groups are really your on-ramp to getting to know and people at Creekside here and getting plugged in uh, to the community life. So we really encourage everyone to be a part of that. God, I pray that as we hear from your word, God, we would be moved to thrive. We know that just like you inspired scripture and you raised Jesus from the dead, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have the Spirit of God in us to live in the power of God to change this world. So God, that's our prayer, that we would thrive following the Spirit and living on the power of God. We love you and we need you. Speak through Bob to us now. Open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. A few of you had coffee. Good morning. Thanks, Nick, for learning that song for me. He asked if I had any song that I wanted for this morning, and I asked him if he could do Thrive, because I like that song, because a lot of times we need comfort, we need encouragement, we need healing, but really, the, the Christian life is about thriving. Jesus came, he said, that we would have life and that we would have it abundantly. So, this morning we're starting our series. Nick kind of introduced it last week, Running the Race. And I, I like that analogy. It's not one that we just came up with on our own. Uh, the scriptures talk quite a bit. The New Testament talks quite a bit about athletics, sports, contests, as a metaphor for our Christian life. And so here's one. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So God has set before every single one of us a race. And that race is from the time you're born again to the time you go to heaven. And so it's got to start, it's got to finish. I hope that all of you have started on that race and know Jesus as your Savior. If not, all these things that we're going to talk about um, are, are good things, but you need to get first things first. Jesus came into this world to save you from the punishment of your sins by his death on the cross so that God, by his grace and through your faith, can save you. And you just need to trust in that. You just need to accept that by faith in the Lord Jesus. And then you'll start this race. And it's a it's kind of a, a little bit of an endurance race. Uh, I, I've enjoyed going to cross-country races for the last four or five years. And um, it's kind of fun to go various places and, and see Brandon and Colin uh, running and some of the other kids that I've gotten to know and, and cheer them on. And it's kind of important how you cheer them on because when somebody's been running for a couple of miles and they're headed up a hill and you say, pick it up, pick it up, you get these daggers. <laughs> it's like, you get out here, old man. <laughs> but um, I like going various places along the race course and cheering them on, but my favorite place to hang out is at the finish line. And you can learn a lot at the finish line. There's the, the first place guy. So, and Nick, he's from Carlisle, this, this guy. He, he finished the race first on Tuesday night, and he... He didn't have anybody around him. His mom had said before he wanted to get done in less than 17 minutes. And that's 3.1 miles. And he was nobody around him. But as he came down the finish line, you would have thought that there was three or four people right at his tail pushing him along because he was, he was pumping. But he saw that clock. He saw his goal. It was like 30 seconds away. And he finished that line probably faster than I could have run any point of that. And then he fell down. <laughs> he, he left it all out there. And that's how I want to finish my Christian race. Some people put it, I'd rather uh, wear out than rust out. And wearing out happens easier now than it used to. But I, I want to wear out, not rust out. And that's why we're having this series. Because we want each of us to run the race that God has set before us. And here's another verse that talks about that metaphor between physical exercise and training 
and spiritual, it says, train yourself to be godly. And there's this quote inside the quote. It says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God. So a lot of you are, are good at physical training. I know that. Um, and we may tend to do that pretty well. You know, Nick said I'm a runner, but that, that would be using the, the term pretty loosely. Um, I, I couldn't run with any of those guys out there, even the, the stragglers in the cross-country meet. But I, I do try to run because mainly because it's the quickest, easiest way to get my heart rate up for the required amount of time three times a week to stay healthy, according to the Internet. So that's, <laughs> that tells you what you need to know about me and physical exercise, the laziest way to stay healthy. But training for godliness is much more important. In this little statement, it says, it benefits in this life and the life to come. So what, what Paul is saying to Timothy here is, in Christianity, you can have your cake and eat it too. Right? You don't have to save all the good stuff for heaven. You can have the good stuff now. And so that's, again, why we want to train ourselves for godliness, because that is going to help us in this life and in the life to come. So, today, well, here's kind of what the series is going to look like. We've got five different subjects there. Um, today we're going to talk about how we fuel up for this race by taking in the Word of God and making it part of our lives. We'll talk about evangelism, prayer, memorization, and stewardship. And stewardship is just kind of a euphemism for giving. So, so that you guys don't skip that one, I'm not going to tell you what order they're coming in. So we're going to talk about fueling up. And one of the first things I did uh, when I started running was signed up to run a 5K. And so I went out and I researched what I should eat before the race because <laughs> I like eating. And so I wanted to make sure, you know, that I wasn't going to miss out on too much and I was going to have enough strength, energy for the race. Found out, you know, you should stop eating and drinking an hour beforehand. And before that, you need uh, 10 to 15 grams of protein, 20 to 25 carbs, and that'll give you the energy you need. Drink 20 ounces of water. That'll give you the energy you need to get through a 5K race. So this morning, we're going to talk about how we fuel up for our race. And it's all, it's all about the scriptures this morning. And this verse from 2 Timothy 3, again, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that's kind of our, our base point this morning as we talk about taking in the Word of God. The scriptures, the Bible, that we get, I think pretty much everybody has access to it within your arm's reach right at this very moment. And if you don't, it's by your own choice. But this is the Word of God. That's what it says. It says it, it's breathed out by God. 
And God is the one that made us. God is the one that gives us breath. God is the one that sent his son so that we could have that abundant life. He's given us a message in his word. And it's, it's critical. And it, it's profitable. That means it, it makes you richer. And it makes you richer for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training. You know, we were talking about that physical discipline. You can see at the finish line of a race little indicators of what kinds of discipline people have had over the course of the race or the course of the summer or the course of the year as they practiced. That first one that comes in is a disciplined person. There's some that uh, one like fell down and crawled over the finish line. He was a disciplined person. Um, there's some that they, they see the finish line and all of a sudden they start running <laughs> and they pass one person after the other and they're happy, but, you know, they left a lot of, of minutes out there on the course because they waited till the end to really start pressing for the finish. There's people that come in with their friends, and they're, they're kind of talking as they come across the finish line. They had a, a good time out there, but you can see the results of the discipline as people finish the race. And so that training is that discipline. And spiritually, we want to get that from the Word of God. And it's training in righteousness. It's going to make us more like God, more righteous. And we're going to be complete. God wanted us to live an abundant life. We can't live an abundant life if we're incomplete. So there's things that the Bible will tell you about yourself that you might not know if you haven't dug through it. And there's things that I find out constantly as I read the Bible that I didn't know that. I've been through it a few times, and I keep finding things I did not know that. And it, it enriches my life, and it equips us for every good work. So part of this race that God has put before us that we want to run is good works that God has prepared for us and good works that he wants to prepare us for so we can get equipped through the reading of God's Word. So th this is kind of small print. I apologize for that, but I wanted to get some of this stuff on here because sometimes we talk about and we think about reading the Word of God as this is your Christian responsibility. You need to do this. If you don't do this, then you're a bad Christian or whatever. You know, you, you get bonus points for reading the Word of God. That's, that's the wrong mindset, guys. I want you to look at this. This is, if you ever get a chance to read Psalm 119 um, and, and spend a little time on it, there are 176 verses in it, I think. And almost every single one of them talks about the Word of God <laughs> in one phrase or another, one, one description of it or another. Every single one of them. Can you imagine a poem 176 verses long, and every single verse talks about the Word of God. Well, what, what, what David write this for? Let's read these. He says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honeycomb, than the honey and drippings out of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them, there's great reward. So look at these things that that come as a result of the word of God. And I want you to take a look at the things I've highlighted. There's eight of them. And just kind of in your mind's eye, or your mind's uh, silently, go through these words. Look at them a minute. And I want you to think about, do do I really want any of that stuff in my life? And we're going to get a little bit participative here. It's nothing too threatening, though, but I want you to raise your hands if there's anything on that list that you would like in your life out of those eight. A few people would like some of that in your life. What, how many would like two of those things? Three? Four? When you're maxed out, you can put your hand down. Five? Six? Seven? Eight, nine, ten. You guys weren't listening. There's only eight of them up there. (laughs) Yeah, we want these things in our life, though. You were listening, and you were paying attention, and you do want those things in your life. And you're going to get them from the Word of God. And that's why I was pretty happy to be able to talk this morning about the Word of God, because it's good news. And it's something that really has enriched my life. And I will say there are are mornings where I kind of treat it like something that I checked off the list. But in all honesty, it's been a long time since I looked at reading the Word of God as a chore. Because the more you pull out of it, the more you want to dig. You know, and Proverbs talks about seeking wisdom. And he says, you know, if you seek after me as you would for gold, silver and precious stones you'll find me and so if you think of that analogy of a miner going after precious things like gold silver uh, gems there's a lot of times where they'll come home empty-handed and they they just dug through and didn't find something but when they hit a a vein of silver or a nugget of gold or they find a gem that's what that's what we're after so when you read the Word of God, there might be times where you just didn't catch what went past you. But keep digging, keep digging. It's not, it's not something that, you know, three strikes and you're out. Keep going. There was a boy, I heard a story of a boy one time that was complaining to his mom. He said, I, I just don't remember anything I read when I read the Bible. And she was trying to help him with with overcoming that kind of mindset to say, I don't want to read the Bible anymore because I don't remember it. And she gave him a sieve, and she said, go get me some water from the stream out of the sieve. And the sieve was kind of dirty, but the boy's like, uh, if you know what a sieve is, it, it's full of holes. It doesn't carry water. She said, just do it. So he went out, and he got down by the stream, and he tried to scoop up water, and as expected, nothing stayed. So he came running back to his mom, and he said, it didn't work. I told you it wouldn't work. She said, well, look at that sieve. 
is it any different than when you went out and tried to get the water? It's like, well, it's clean. She said, the word of God will clean you. Keep reading it. And I thought that was a good, a good illustration, a good encouragement, because sometimes it does get hard to keep, to keep digging and to keep that discipline up in your life because sometimes you feel like you come up empty. So this morning we're going to spend a little time talking about how you can approach this because I think if this room is typical that probably a lot of us struggle with reading the Word of God and making that a habit in your life and getting all of those things we read about in in those verses from Psalm 119 into our life and getting the treasures out of the Word of God. So we're just going to get very practical here a little bit. And I, you know, I was kind of proud of myself. I came up with like five Ps for, for reading the Word of God. But it, this is kind of a process. And it goes from left to right. And first of all, I really think if you're going to get this into your life, you're going to have to prioritize. You're going to have to prioritize. And you're going to have to think about what all is going, in, going on in my life because every single one of you spends 24 hours a day living. There's no more, no more hours in the day than that. And so if you're going to take up something that you don't do every day and you're going to use discipline and training in the Word of God, you're going to have to give something up. So you want to make sure that where the Word of God sits is of higher value than what you give up. So in my case, it was sleep. Interestingly enough, though, I get tired earlier, so I go to bed earlier. And so I, I kind of caught up somewhere, and I'm not sure what I was doing there, but when you fall asleep, you don't prioritize much. And that's for me the, why I have to do it in the morning, because if I wait until the end of the day, something else is going to push into that, and I'm also going to fall asleep when I sit down and start reading. So for me, it had to be in the morning, and what am I going to trade that for. Next, I think a plan is kind of important for getting into a habit of reading God's Word. So there's a, a few things I mentioned there. Um, if you guys find any of this helpful, I printed some sheets out. They're on Guest Central. If you get to the last one or they're gone, let me know because I can get more. This, this may not be helpful to you, but if it is, it's there. So um, Plan. When are you going to schedule it? And do schedule it, because if you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. What will I read? You know, sometimes we can sit down, and if we don't have a plan for what I'm going to read, we'll just flip open anywhere. And that's good. It's good, but it, it's better to get a consistent pattern and start pulling out those things day by day. And we'll talk a little bit about the various parts of the Bible that you'll encounter when you open it and you'll want to know where you're headed. Um, and then what helps do I need? So I, I brought a few things. This is a, a Bible called Every Man's Bible and it's a study Bible for men. It's got articles, it's got explanations, it's got notes. Um, there's even a few pictures in it. But you can get a study Bible that's geared towards either your interests, your needs in your life. There are I don't know how many hundreds of study Bibles out there available. And you can go to christianbook.com and sort by translation, all kinds of things. So study Bibles, a big help. For me, 
I kind of have to have a little bit of a goal. So I'm not really a journaler. Other people are journalers, but I decided to uh, use a journal. And so I write down the date. And you can see I don't put a whole lot under each date, but I, I set myself a goal to find something every day that I can write down. Sometimes I forget it, so there's some dates missing. Sometimes there's some dates blank, but that's something I do to prepare. I have this sitting by my lazy boy so that I can do that. You might need a dictionary because some words in the Bible are not really used in the everyday language. Um, or you might want to do a deeper study on some words that you find. So there, this is just an example. So if you, if you need help with that, find somebody that reads their Bible and get some ideas from them and then, and then plan from there. So prepare. I get up and I get my coffee. Maybe, maybe you don't drink coffee. Maybe there's, I don't know, a donut, whatever. Something, and I'll be honest with you, when the alarm goes off, I, I kind of plan for one snooze button. So I built that in, backed up the alarm. <laughs> and I try in that 10-minute gap there to think about the fact that this isn't a big deal. All I have to do is walk downstairs, get my coffee, sit down in my lazy boy. <laughs> and when I'm there, it's going to be good. And so I used to get up, get dressed, get showered, get all ready, but that was too hard to get out of bed looking forward to all those jobs right away. That's me. You're learning this morning how undisciplined and lazy and food-focused I am, but you can still fit the Word of God into a personality like that. Um, breathe. When you sit down, and I, I forget to do this a lot, you sit down, take a deep breath in, and let it out, and pray. And ask God, open to me your word. I forgot to write this verse down, and so I can't quote it either right now off the top of my head. But open up your word, Lord. There's a psalm that says, open up your word to me and show the wonderful things that are in it. So kind of just an effort to clear your mind for as long as that'll last. And then probe. So read it. Read it. Ask yourself, what's this mean? What... I mean, somebody wrote this. It, it was the thoughts of God coming down onto paper. What did he mean when he told Isaiah or Paul or Mark or John to write this down? And then, what does it, or how does it change me? So we're not just reading this word of God to get smarter. We're reading it because God has a race for us to run. And we need energy, we need direction, we need encouragement, we need strength as we go along this race. And that's where you're going to get it, is from the Word of God. So what does it mean to me? How does it change me? And then, as you wrap that up, proceed. So um, keep thinking about what you read. And this is where, you know, if you do write down something, maybe, maybe you can focus on the one thing you wrote down. Or if something jumped out at you, maybe you can mull that over. If there's something you didn't understand, you know, you can keep thinking about that as you go through your day and put it in your heart. Let it change you from the inside out because that's what the Word of God will do when it's used by the Spirit of God in your life. And we all, as believers in the Lord Jesus, have access to that. And then take it to your street. We talk about occupying our street. There's a ton 
in this word about how we are to interact with people. If we let that get in our hearts and we try to live it out every day as we go about our daily life, it's going to change our relationships with people. So as, as you approach the Word of God, and I will apologize to those of you that are, you know, pros in this, and maybe it's all of you, maybe I'm just talking, <laughs> maybe I'm just assuming too much that some of this stuff would be helpful, maybe it's kindergarten, you're all in, in college. But when you approach the Bible, I, I wanted to kind of do this, because um, there's different sections in the Bible, and I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Michael Jr., he's a comedian, and he was raised by his grandma bringing him to church every single Sunday, and he didn't understand a word he heard. So when he turned 13, his grandma said, now it's up to you if you want to go to church or not. And he said, let me think about it. No. And he didn't go back to church until I think he was in his 20s, and his, a friend of his invited him to church, and he, ah, I didn't really understand the thing that was going on. Um, funny story about that he like he even went to a funeral at his church and he didn't know the difference between being there for a funeral or anything else so he's sitting there in church one day and he sees um this man in a casket and he turns to his grandma and he's like grandma what's that guy doing in that box and she's like shh michael he's in a better place well grandma what kind of box did he live in before? <laughs> Supposedly true story. Um, but that's how much he entered into what was going on at church until he was 13. And that's how much the word of God had entered into him. Then he went with his friend. All of a sudden he understood what the preacher was talking about. Different church, different preacher. But he understood it. And he called, they, the preacher called them forward if they wanted to put their faith in Jesus. And he wanted to go. But he said... I'm a little bit of a skeptic, and I wanted to read the literature. So he brought a Bible home with him, and he determined that he was going to read through the Bible before he would make a commitment to Christ. Well, he started in Matthew, and he read about the birth of Jesus, his ministry, his rejection, his crucifixion, his resurrection. He goes on to Mark. He's like, uh, Jesus got born again? It, he did these things again? He died again? What, what's up with this? So he, he didn't understand that there's four different versions of the life of Jesus in the Bible. So maybe that's something that would catch you, off surprise, or catch you by surprise too when you start to read the Word of God and you jump in. So there's, there's an Old Testament, there's a New Testament. There's a 400-year gap in between the times when the last part of the Old Testament was written and when Jesus was born. And they break down into these sections. The Old Testament, there's the law, and that's the things that really pertain to the Jewish religion and the, the ordinances they went through, the way that they could be righteous with God by the things that they did, the way they could earn life, and that is summarized in the law. There are books of poetry there, um, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, there's, there's books in there that are poetry. So if you read those books, you might find some things that are poetic, but they're metaphors. It's still the Word of God. But one example of where we can get mixed up if we're not paying attention to what, we're, what section we're in, you know, 
I should have looked this up because this is history and it's been a long time since I read this history, but there was a time where Christians used the Psalms that said God had set the earth on a foundation to argue with, I believe it was Galileo who said the earth is, is spinning and it's going around the sun. And so they, they said, no, the Bible says it's on a foundation. God set it on a foundation. So you're wrong. Well, I mean, as more and more evidence came out, we learned that Galileo was right. Why? Because, why the argument? It's because they took this metaphor that was talking about God establishing day and night, seasons, everything that we can count on, predictability, consistency, and God's power in upholding creation and that consistency. And they took the metaphor for that and they made it into the actual truth. And, and so we got to be careful not to take things that are in some of the other parts and say those are metaphors. But we also need to be paying attention when we're reading poetry. The prophets, they were telling, prophets did two things. They brought the word of God to people to impact their current life. They also foretold the future. Um, and there's history. And another thing that throws people off sometimes is they'll read history and there's a, the Bible is full of stories and some of them are pretty gruesome. You know, uh, maybe, I don't know if any of you have like Noah's Ark up in your kid's room, but if you think about that story, it's not really a great children's story to think about everybody on the earth getting ground and, and killed, you know, and there are more gruesome stories than that. And I've seen on Facebook, a cousin of mine put, us, put this little meme out and it said, I've read the Bible, that's why I'm an atheist. And this is one of the reasons that people come up with that position because they read a story in the Bible and they think God sanctions that. God doesn't sanction everything that's happened in history. So when you're reading history, don't think that God is sanctioning everything that happens in that story or you'll get you'll get messed up so then there's the new testament and this is where the truth of christianity comes in so if you want uh if you want to get grounded in what the christian faith is i would recommend you jump to the bottom there the letters by paul and this this information is also on that half sheet that is out on the guest table in case anybody wants that for reference um, the letters by Paul, Paul says he was given the truth of the church, truth that was hidden in the Old Testament times. And so that's where you're going to find out about the details of Christianity. The Gospels are going to tell the story of Jesus' life and teachings. There's history in the, Old, in the New Testament as well, and there's prophecy in the New Testament as well. And there are other general letters. So keep in mind where you're at when you open it up. And this is one reason why I recommend having a plan for when you're going to read what. Ideally, you're reading the whole Bible at some point, but understand where you're at when you're reading it. Okay, so we're going to do a little, a little case story, and this is a story of a, a true story from 2 Kings. So I don't know if you guys remember where 2 Kings was, but a little pop quiz. History, yeah. History and Old Testament history, okay? And you can read this story for yourself in chapters 22 and 23 of Second Kings. So this is before Jesus, before the gospel 
before Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins and before anybody knew that that was going to happen. And it's a historical story. So this king, he was, I apologize for the cartoons. I know this isn't Sunday school, but um, those were the best clip art that told the story for me. So um, he became king when he was eight years old. And he was, uh, you know, a good practicing Jew. If he was in our time, he'd go to church. He'd have a, a fish bumper sticker on his car. He, he worshiped God. He probably would even raise his hands when we sang in the morning. He, was, he loved the Lord. So one day, he told the priests in the temple, he said, go open the treasure box that has that money for the building fund because we're going to clean up the temple and we're going to remodel it. This is God's house and we want it looking appropriate. So uh, they did. And one of the things they found in the rubble was this script, this scroll. And they brought it to King Josiah and they said, this is the law of Moses. This is how our nation is supposed to operate. This is how we're supposed to worship God. And as Josiah read that, he got a worried look on his face. He realized a lot of these things that were going on in the nation of Israel at the time, God said he would judge them if, he, if they lived in that way. And so there were a number of things specifically called out in this story. There was the, uh, the fortune tellers, the um, necromancers, the seers, the mediums. There were uh, child sacrifices going on in his kingdom. There were um, temples to other gods where they had cult prostitution going on. All kinds of things going on in Josiah's kingdom. And when he read that word of God, it changed the way he looked at his kingdom. And so he got rid of it. He cleaned house in his whole kingdom, and he got rid of it. And then another thing he discovered was how they were supposed to keep the Passover feast that reminded them of the day that God brought that whole nation out of the land of Egypt. So they reinstituted that. They did it the way God said to do it. And the Bible says that when Josiah kept the Passover that time, it was better than Solomon, better than David, better than Samuel, better than any of the judges, better than it had ever been kept in all the history of Israel. This was in a dark time. The, the, the nation of Israel had already split. It was a 50-50 proposition if they were going to win any battles with their enemies. The Lord had, had been pushed out, and he wasn't delivering them. And so there was judgment that was proclaimed. But then because of Josiah's turning back to the word of God, paying attention to it, putting it to practice in his life, and letting it run his life, the judgment that God planned for Israel was postponed. And they kept this Passover. They worshiped God in a way that had never happened before. So, summary of that. Be like Josiah. You know, he was a ways into his reign. I think 18 years he had been king when he found the word of God and started reading it. But he started letting it change his life. And so, wherever you're at... You know, however long you've been going to church or not, however much you know about the Bible or not, it's never too late. Get back in the Word and let it work on you. Let it change you. And it will. So, you know, I got rid of half of my slides. I went over 
Justin's 18-minute limit, but there's so much we could say about the Bible. But it's a good book. I highly recommend it. And I, I really hope that you will uh, start today, if you haven't figured out where it fits into your life, to do that. Get it in there. It's, it should be your top priority. Uh, anything else you look at should shuffle down, but I'll let you decide <laughs> what your priorities are in your life and adjust accordingly. So this morning, you know, we talked about the Passover. We have, the Passover was in the Old Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover. So one of the things the New Testament says about the Old Testament is those were shadows, illustrations, and the, the band, you guys can come back up here. I'm about done here. Um, those were illustrations, shadows. They weren't the real thing. They made these offerings of sheep, of oxen, turtle doves, uh, grain, all these things. All of that was fulfilled in Jesus' sacrifice that he made on the cross. And this morning, we're going to remember that sacrifice. As you take the bread, it's a reminder of his body, which was given for us. As you take the juice, it's a reminder of his blood that he shed for us to cleanse our sins. So as you do that, keep your memory clear. Remind yourself what you're doing up there. and Remember Jesus' blood and Jesus' body given for you. Let's give thanks for it now. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body given for us. Thank you for this bread that reminds us of that. Thank you for your blood and this cup that that reminds us of your blood. Thank you for your word. That you, as a creator God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-creative, would care to communicate with us. People that couldn't even be seen on the face of this globe if we zoomed out a little bit. And yet, through the ages, you've used your word to change lives and hearts. I pray for everybody in this room that we would let your word change us, that we would be in it, that we would be finding those treasures that you have for us. We just give thanks again for this loaf and for this cup, and we ask your blessing on each one in this room as we remember you, Lord Jesus, amen. started out with this verse, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There's more to that verse. And my favorite finish line to think about, I didn't see it myself. I've read little hints of it. But the, little, but the favorite finish line by far that I've ever thought about is the finish line that Jesus crossed over when he said, it is finished. That's our inspiration as we run our race. If you need something to look for, look at to move forward when it gets tough look to Jesus the founder and perfecter or finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God think about that sometime imagine what it would be like for God's son to come back into heaven victorious It's inspiring. One day we're gonna we're gonna cross that finish line and we wanna hear, well done, good and faithful servant.
look to Jesus this week. There is your inspiration. There's your, your rope to pull you forward or push you forward, whatever you need. Go forth in the power of the cross this week.